For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This episode is dedicated to a Jackson State Band legend, one of the most recognizable drum majors in Sonic Boom history. Each time we hear Get Ready, we know the drum majors will pay homage in a recognizable move known as the Shaw. This episode is dedicated to Daryl Shaw. But, you know, one thing about it, I always say now WC is a winning coach. You know, that, that's what that WC stood for me. He was a winning coach in my book. Winning mm, coach. I, I like that. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's what he did. You know, he he won. He, he win you over, but he win with you. And he's a, he's a winning coach in my book. Mm, good stuff. <laughs> Tiger fans, welcome back to the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to be notified of every new episode. Apple Podcast users, rate and review the show, and everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. Hosting today's show are Charles Bishop and Neely. Welcome to another episode of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. And of course, I have my right-hand man, my man on the right, Neely, back for another episode. Chuck, glad to be here. How you making it, bro? Doing well, man. Doing well. We've been knocking out these episodes left and right, and it's uh, it's on the demand of the Jackson State fans. And I tell you what, it has been a labor of love, really talking Jackson State athletics and, and bringing it to the fans en masse, if you will. And I tell you what, uh, having you come in on these episodes, uh, I tell you, it's, it's like it's like Kevin Durant, man, adding Kevin Durant to the team. Man, I, uh, I I enjoy being here and uh, enjoy being a part of it. And I got to give a shout out to our, our, the Corey C., our super dope producer, man. He has been banging out these episodes and these guests and Midnight Oil. Uh, because like you said, Chuck, we, you know, we went to this thing about a year ago thinking we were going to do an episode a week. Then that went to two episodes a week. Sometimes it's three, four, five episodes a week. And and the demand is growing. We get emails all the time. We get text messages all the time about this show idea, this guest, and that. And so we just appreciate all the support out there for Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. You know, this episode is a, a great episode. Uh, we, we find out that Coy Bacon, Verlin Biggs, and Kevin Dent, they're among the 25 finalists uh, for induction into the class of 2021 Black College Hall of Fame. So, I mean, you talk about great uh, who starred for Jackson State. 
And the guest that we have on uh, coming on this episode is no stranger to the Jackson State fan base. Uh, he's one of the more iconic players in, in Jackson State football lore. And Neely, I'm, I'm going to turn it over to you, man. I'm going to let you introduce us, uh, our guest. Well, Chuck, uh, I appreciate that because I know our guest well, and I'm excited, you know, to have him here. One of those rare occasions where you can get the person that's number one in your heart, so you're also number one on the field because of his jersey number. But but before now, I, I, I bring him on. I hope you hear that bus that's coming down the street because I'm about to push you out in front of it. And under. <laughs> because because back a few months ago now, we had a very spirited debate. It was one of our most popular shows as far as the number of folks who listened to it and shared it. And it's when we sat around the barbershop, so to speak, and we debated who was the greatest quarterback in Jackson State football history. Now, you went with Roy Curry. And uh, Mr. Curry, a great guy, has been on the show. Uh, your frat brother, great interview. But now, but now, <laughs> now we get the guy I picked as the number one QB in Jackson State history. Happens to be my fraternity brother as well. I want to bring on number one, Sean Gregory. Sean, welcome to Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Glad to have you here, brother. Hey, Neely, it's good to be here, man. How's everything going in Jackson? Man, we got no complaints on this thing, you know, doing the best we can to, you know, stay safe and sound during this pandemic and in our right minds. And again, man, we just appreciate you taking out some time uh, during this schedule and these, and, and these hours to, to just come on and share with the fans so we can reconnect and, and tell some of those great stories, man. Just a pleasure to have you with us, Sean. Oh man, for sure, for sure. Well, I, you know, I, I we had a tremendous debate on one of the you know greatest quarterback in in, in Jackson history, and, I, and I'll say it, it was it was very tough. But uh, I'll, I'll say this, uh, Sean, from my perspective, uh, growing up in Jackson uh, in the '80s, and the, the, the swagger you guys brought to the stadium week in, week out, and we were one of those traveling families. We we traveled with the with, with the football team wherever they went. I tell you, man, you gave me some great memories from childhood. Well, uh, we we try to do our thing. You know, we always we had this thing, uh, give people what they want. You know, when I was when I took over as the uh, quarterback, we had a great receiver core. And that's what we talked about. We're going to give the people what we want. We talked about it every day in practice. And uh, we tried to do that. Mm -hmm. you know, we tried to work hard in practice so we can go out there and perform. You know, Sean, let, let's go back to the beginning, man, because as Chuck said, you you had a prolific, you know, career at Jackson State, the championships, the yards, the wins. But but take us back to to high school, Sean, as you're making that decision, you know, to come to Jackson State. What what was that experience like in, in being recruited and, and choosing JSU? Oh man, well, the high school, Sean, was uh I played defensive back, uh corner, free safety, DN. Played receiver, running back. I didn't play quarterback up until my sophomore year, mid-season. Mm. Uh, my sophomore year, our starting quarterback got hurt. His, he was a senior. And uh, I wasn't looked on as a quarterback at the time. But I kind of got thrown to the wolves. We was playing Hamilton, you know, where Don Smith went to, went to high school at. And they had a 51-game winning streak. So that was my first time taking snaps at quarterback. Wow. More year against a team that got 51 games, you know, under their belt. So it wasn't a pretty uh, time to be a quarterback when you knew that you was a lot better than the person that was in front of you. But, you know, it was a, 
it was a testimony to uh, what I was able to do and what I thought that I could do at the quarterback position that nobody thought I could do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we ended up beating Hamilton 34 to 14. And uh, the rest was history, history, you know, since then at that position for me, because I wasn't, you know, going to the school I went to, uh, New Hope was a predominantly white school. So they didn't look at me as being a quarterback. They wanted, you know, they wanted to idolize that quarterback position as a, a as a different person. So, and that had a lot to do with my recruiting. Yeah. You know, a lot of uh, schools, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, was looking, looking at me as a defensive back and, I thought I could play quarterback, you know, and I always kind of got to did my homework. I always looked at their roster, see who they had, what they was doing. So it was, it was an easy, uh, it was, it was easy. I knew I could go in and, and play at, at that level, but I wasn't getting looked at at that level. So, mm. um, you know, during that time, Jackson state was on TV just as much as anybody. Yes, sir. You know, mm-hmm. It was on BET about every week and, of course, my brother was going to Jack State at the time, so I spent a lot of time in Jackson going to the games. And, uh, you know, I did take some other visits at other schools just to see if they was, they was going to win me over from Jackson State, but my, my heart was already in Jackson. Uh, the only one that came close was Southern Miss. Jim Carmen was the head coach. Mm-hmm. He did a real good job of being honest and being able to uh, show me around, and, and it really, you know, felt he made me feel like I was – welcome whereas uh you know other schools didn't do that and so you know when it came crunch time for me to sign i looked at it you know pros and cons and looked at it and, and i knew that i could come in and no matter where i go i can come in and play and um, one thing about it wc was honest with me the whole the whole time he felt like a red shirt year would give me a, a good year under my belt to to take the rings from then on. And, you know, he just said all the right things. You know, one thing about WC, he had a, he had a way with words. And then he, he looked you in the eye, he tells you, he kind of map out his plan and then he incorporate his plan with you in it. Yeah. Mm. And it all sounded great, you know, because mm. uh, I felt like I needed some time that first year anyway to you kind of find my way, even though I was going to Jack State a lot. So I kind of found, I kind of looked at that as, as a positive, not a negative. Mm-hmm. And uh, they went on to sign with Jackson State, and uh, the rest was here. So I took advantage of that, that first year that we had as a red shirt. I took advantage of that by just going to class and doing the things I needed to do to get ready for football. Mm. Sean, they, 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 they call that being coachable, and, and you mentioned Coach Gordon, man. And here we are, uh, you know, the, the, the day leading into – uh, the start of his memorial service and weekend. Uh, and, and so I know a lot of, of former players like yourself or you're heading this way and, and, and getting in town today and tomorrow to celebrate the life of, of W.C. Gordon. And, and you talked about his communication, his honesty with you. Just, you know, shed some light, man, as we remember Coach Gordon. Shed some light on, on what it meant for you uh, to have him as a coach and as a role model and not just recruiting while you played for him, but even all those years later, even when you got into coaching? Well, you know, when I first met Coach Gordon, uh, it was, you know, you can tell he was genuine in his words and uh, he was well-respected. And it didn't have anything to do with them winning already. They had already come out. They was coming off a, a SWAC championship. It was it was just the way he cared about you when he talked with you. Mm. Um, 
you know, he, he, he obviously he looked out for me. Uh, being not, I don't think it had anything to do with me being a quarterback. I just think that's just how he is. You know, he's going to look out for his players and, and be honest. And uh, when you're right, he's going to be with you. When you're wrong, he's going to correct you. There was no in-between with him. And that's what I, I appreciate. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when I was being recruited during that time, you know, I was getting, you know, as a, as a player, you know, you get some funny feelings about some of the words being said. And so it wasn't like that with Coach Gordon. Coach Gordon, he kept everything straight up and down and real with you. Mm. And, uh, you know, and that's how he was the entire time I've met him. You know, I only had one screw up, one hiccup, and he corrected me, and it was he didn't have to worry about that no more. And <laughs> and that was in his words, too. You, I can remember him telling my mama, don't worry about it. He ain't coming back home. We're going to take care of him. And, uh, and sure enough, he did that. You know, he was a father figure. He was a role model. You know, we didn't look at him too much as a coach because he did all those other things and you wanted to go out and win for him. Mm -hmm. And so it was it was easy to play for for a man like that. And and you know, his staff was real close knit, you know, and they, they you know, they was always doing things together. They always complimented each other mm -hmm. out there on the practice field and they was a little different, you know. It, you know, me coming from a predominantly white high school, it was a little different than what I was accustomed to. But they was teaching me how to be a man, mm. teaching me to grow up. So there was a lot of things that you just had to, you know, you couldn't get, you couldn't be thin-skinned to let the words uh, intervene with your play. Yeah, and uh, you know, you because you know, at, at the end of the day, you heard a lot more stuff going on on the field than you did off the field or own practice field. So it was definitely getting you ready to play. Sean, let me, let me ask this question. Uh, and now that you've uh, transitioned to the coaching ranks, what is that one thing that you've uh, sort of taken from coach Gordon that you try to uh, incorporate within your, uh, uh, your, your coaching acumen? Just being honest with the players, you know, a lot of players think they're a lot better than what they are and not knowing that they need to work on some of their weakness, weakness, uh, you know, and a lot of players don't want to do that. They think they're good enough already. And so just being honest with what they have to do to get better. And that's one reason why I was able to, to accept the red shirt my first year. You know, I could I can accept that because there were some things I really need to get better at. And that's what I took time to do. But, you know, players in this generation, they think they, uh, they got it all right now uh, lined up. But, you know, you really don't. You know, there's some things everybody got to work on. So you try to let them know what you have to work on and and have a plan for them. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to get better, by the time you you reach this point, this is what you need to do. And they don't understand that it's, it's a job. You know, when you're talking about playing college ball, it's a job. That's your job. And they understand, they don't they don't want to accept that part of the work. And so some of them do, the ones who are going to make it, the ones who are going to get opportunities to go on, on some form of scholarship will do it. And the ones that are not, they're just, they're going to be walk-ons. Gotcha. So, so, so Sean, you know, let, let's, let's get, let's get into some numbers, man. You know, I, I told you at the beginning of the show now, mm -hmm. my, my co-host there, he, he went with Roy Curry, but I'm, I'm a guy that I follow the numbers <laughs> and, and, and I follow the wins. And more importantly, I follow the championships. 
And, uh, you know, you talked about Coach Gordon and that staff, and, and let's get into that locker room, man, because you led uh, some great Jackson State teams on the offensive and decent defensive side of the ball. Oh, my gosh. And you were able to put up put up some great numbers. What what was it like, you know, to win those championships? Uh, I'm, I'm counting three, Chuck. Uh, yes. You know, you, I'm counting three. Yes. Uh, what was it like to win those championships and, and be a leader amongst all those other leaders and, and to be able to take them into battle and, 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 and achieve those results with them? Well, I would like to think, you know, coming from where I came from, my job was easy because of the people I had around me. You know, I had an outstanding receiver core. I had an outstanding running back core. I had an outstanding offensive line, you know, and, uh, and I saw those guys work hard every day. And I think they, they probably thought I didn't work as hard as they did. But I really didn't have to, even though I did, but I, I didn't have to. Mm. All I had to do was get the ball to the people who can make plays. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah I mean, we, we're talking for our listeners out there, we, we're talking Tim Barnett. We're talking, uh, oh, yeah. uh, Jimmy uh, Smith. We're talking Jimmy Smith. Yeah. yeah. You're talking <laughs> about Barnett, Jimmy Smith. You're talking about even Antonio Kimbrough, Reg, Reggie McGee. What about Harold? Greg Harris, Ron Lewis. Oh, yeah. You know, Melvin Williams. You know, it, you know those guys. You know, Ricky Flowers. Ricky Flowers, yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, I had a, you know, it, it was a pick. You couldn't double team nobody. I wish we could have threw the ball 50 times a game, you know. Yeah. You know, when we throwing the ball 15, 20 times a game, and I'm still throwing for 300 yards, <laughs> you know, I can imagine if I could just really just get at least 40 in. Well, yeah. Know, well, uh, Sean, that, that, that brings up this question for me because – <laughs> you you threw out some names there on the offensive side of the ball, but I wanted to ask, what were those practices like? I'm just thinking about this 87 defense. Uh, Kevin Dent was patrolling back there <laughs> and in the secondary. Oh. We got Dennis Connor, Derek yeah. Connor, Andre Lloyd, Cammie Collins, linebacker. I mean, the defensive line even with Leon Seals. What were those yeah. practices like? It was like a real ball game. Hmm. <laughs> You know, we had the speed of the game when we go good versus good. So, you know, I always looked at we, you know, I was going against the best defense in the SWAC in, in practice every day. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was it was easy for me on, on Saturday because I, I've gone against the best defense in the SWAC. And, you know, and Kevin Dent, you know, it's, it speaks for itself what he did, you know, he has done uh, in game. But, you know, you, you look at him at practice. He gave that same look. So if you, I feel like if I can complete a ball back there with Kevin Dent, the way he picking balls off, you know, I'm, I'm done my job. Right. Yeah. You know, it wasn't it wasn't easy in practice. You know, it wasn't easy. You know, had a heck of a linebacker crew: Darren Collins, Dennis Connor, Andre Lloyd. Those guys. You know, you, that's something you don't run into on on a daily basis. I I did it on a daily with those guys that allowed me to be where I am today. Mm-hmm. 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 And uh, winning championships, you know, it was to me it was easy. But you know, I, like I said, I wish we, you know, I didn't play a whole lot. Uh, we beat you beating people by thirty points. You know, you coming out the ball game. So if I could have played four quarters of ball, you know, things could have been different for stat wise. Mm-hmm. But you know, Cardell Jones did a good job of keeping me protected, and you know, he's he was the orchestrator of the offense. Of course, you know what he did with with Steve McNair as well yeah. when he went to all. Oh, yeah. You know, now, they threw the ball a lot more than I did. But, you know, uh, 
had some great coaches. All those guys pretty much went on to be head coaches. So that that tells you what type of staff WC Gordon put together at Jackson State. Mm-hmm. So it started with Houston, Houston Markham leaving. I think he left my freshman year, yeah. went to Alabama State. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, Big Daddy took over. Coach Hughes took over, Judge. Of course, you know, Cardell Jones went over to all corner, his alma mater. So, you know, those guys all hit coaches. You know, we had them as assistant coaches, but we had a great staff. And not only that, we had a staff that was able to get the most out of, you know, good players. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I was talking to Coach Roberts the other day. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, some members of WC. But, you know, I told Coach, I said, you know, you guys made us great because the great coaches make great players. You know, you don't have great players unless you have great coaches. Okay. They bring, they bring that out of you. And, you know, when you're HBCU, you got to know how to bring it out of HBCU players. Mm. And I came out of a, a different situation. It wasn't an HBCU situation, you know. So uh, I had to make that adjustment. You know, yeah. some people may say it was a culture shock, but it really wasn't because I, I was on the campus because my brother was there at the time. So, you know, it was, it was a difference in culture. But other than that, I didn't have to do a whole lot, but just get the ball to the people who made plays. And, and Ron, Jimmy, Melvin Williams, you know, Ricky Fowler, all those guys made plays. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. Tim Barnett, who's my roommate. You know, if I didn't throw it to him about three or four times, uh, I wasn't going to go to sleep that night. So, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to listen to all that stuff. You know, he, Tim you wanted know, that ball. <laughs> Barnett would get you in trouble, mm-hmm. you know, in the huddle. So I couldn't listen to him all the time. But, you know, I made sure you got his share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you had some talent to spread it around to, man. Yeah. No doubt about it. But you still had to get him out there. Huddle. I can still hear Charlie Neal, who was a guest on the podcast a while back, watching BT and the games. He would call you General Gregory brings the troops to the line. <laughs> you know? uh, so, Sean, yeah. talk, talk to us, man, about that energy at Memorial Stadium. You know, when, you, when, you, when you're coming out of that field house for a home game, and, oh, and you know, we got 45, 50, 60,000 folks in the stands. You know, what, what was that experience like? Well, you know, when I was at Jackson State, believe it or not, Chris, I wasn't a, a hype kind of guy. You know, yeah. I just – I tried to stay calm through it all because we had a, enough personality on our team. So I, I knew I had to be the, the calm, level-headed guy out there. But when that boom come in there and start playing get ready, <laughs> you know – you know, something just takes over. And, uh, you know, you got the fans already there. You know, the boom coming there, stepping in there, playing, get ready. And it's a wrap. I just go and tell the guys, hey, let's go. It's on. You know, it's on. <laughs> yeah. And, and and when they know I say something like that, because I don't say a whole lot, they knew we was ready. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't have to say a whole lot. But if one little thing I did say, they knew I was ready to roll. You know, Sean, one of the more iconic games uh, that I'm sure a lot of us uh, Jackson State fans remember uh, is that huge game you had uh, over Southern. You know, Southern is one of our bitter rivals, but that night, uh, I mean, you toyed with them. I mean, <laughs> you set an NCAA single game record for most yards game per completion, and we mauled the Jaguars 52-14. to 14. But just what are your memories of that that night in terms of Jackson State dominating Southern? Well, it goes back the year before. You know, we had a 28-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Southern was the team that broke our record of winning streak on our homecoming yeah. the year before. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
my roommates didn't take that too kind. You know, I had my son, who's now Barry Dixon, my roommate, and Tim Barnett. So we would we didn't take that too kindly, and um, it stayed it stayed on my mind for a whole entire year because that was my first time ever losing a homecoming. Mm. And you know, not shame to say, I threw a pick six that game. I ain't never threw a pick six. So a lot of things happened that night that I never experienced in put in football. And so, of course, that year it was, you know, you're going against one of the best defensive backs, they say, you know, in the in the uh, conference, which is Aeneas Williams, who's a Hall of Famer now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he the one took me for a pick six. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, that, that did something with me for a whole year. So, of course, you know, we went on and played our, our season coming up. And, of course, we had Southern and Baton Rouge and, that game resonated on me for a long time. So when I got down to Baton Rouge, it was no question that I would be ready. Mm. And that was nothing nobody could tell me. Nothing. Coach didn't have to get me fired up. And, you know, I was just ready because that game, it scarred me for an entire year. And we just went out there and they, they tried to play us a zone at first. It didn't work. Mm. Uh, they got two two touchdowns on them, playing the cover two zone, and Jimmy caught both of those. And they tried to man us up; that didn't work. So you know you got to check Jimmy and Tim. Man, that, that ain't gonna work. Nah, not at all. <laughs> so I hit I hit Tim with one, and you know, uh, and matter of fact, Antonio Kimbrough caught caught one. He was a backup. So, and all of said that, I, I threw five touchdowns in the first half. We had them forty five to nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wish we, you know, only threw twenty four passes that game, right? For four hundred sixty two yards. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wish I could have played the whole game. And my mom was mad because I had already threw three touchdowns before she even get in the stands. In <laughs> <laughs> so fact, that night they weren't even letting people in the stands. Yeah, they wouldn't wow. let him in the games. They he had ticket and everything, but they wouldn't let him in the game. It was so packed. It was packed. Yeah. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. Well, Sean, here, here's here's another memory uh, of, of a victory in a different kind of way. Uh, you know, when you went on into into your coaching career, you you brought Valley to town. Yeah, and and yeah. as a coordinator, you 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 ruined our homecoming. <laughs> What, what, yeah. what was it? What was it like to you know be coaching in the swag, coaching against Jackson State on Jack State homecoming, and getting the win? Well, you know when you, you know when you're always coaching against your alma mater, you, you definitely want to beat them. Okay, you know, it's no secret to that. Mm-hmm. I just wish I could have stayed at Valley a little bit longer. We'd have had more wins. <laughs> that wasn't my decision. And uh, but it is what it is. But I only had the win that we did beat uh, in 2014. I think I only had about six about six months to work with those guys because I was coaching. I was leaving my high school, New Hope, as the head coach, so I had to finish out that year. And so we only had roughly about it was really less than six months. And so I was going back and forth trying to install an offense together as I was you know, finishing up at the high school. So that was a little difficult, but finally got down there, you know, full time in, in May after school was out and started getting things together. Of course, you know, most of the kids was going home. And, but we, uh, you know, we, we put it together. 
you know, I found some pieces of the puzzle and put it together. Well, I'll tell you, Sean, you know, that was, uh, it's always tough losing homecoming, but I can remember how a lot of our fans were excited for you as being the opposing coach over there and getting that W. And uh, I, I know, Chuck, you wanted to close us out on some WC notes, man, but but Sean, we, we appreciate everything that you, you have shared with us tonight, man, and just look forward to, to much success from you and your family and best wishes and you know, we started off with our guys that have been nominated uh, for going into the uh, Hall of Fame on the on the uh, on the collegiate level, and we know you're a swag and JSU Hall. We we ju- we just excited for you, Sean, and, and know that your we know that your story and your legacy is not over. And I know for a fact on that previous episode that that I picked the best quarterback in Jackson. <laughs> I'm, I'm... Well, you know, Sean. we had a lot of good ones to come through Jackson State, and. I tell you, the the one who I was watching as I was coming up was John McKenzie. Yes, sir. Yeah, mm. another number one. My uh, my uncle who played baseball at Alcorn State under Willie Rat McGowan. He he was driving from Alcorn, pick me up at in Steens, Mississippi, where I'm from, take me to a Jackson State game to see John McKenzie play. And so that's how my he he felt his alkanite that felt that well about John McKenzie's play at the quarterback position, mm-hmm. and yeah. so you know what he didn't understand that okay if if I got to get uh, I got to do better than John McKenzie that's I got that's that's a good starting point you know because right. John won yeah. a lot of championships too he, was, he matter of fact he coached me before he went to Alabama State with Coach Mark. So I was able to learn a lot of things from John when I first got in as a, as a freshman. And, uh, but, you know, we had, a, like I say, Shannon Boyd, great quarterback, Melvin Pete, I can go on and on. And, um, Keith Taylor. Keith Taylor. These, Keith yes. Taylor. These are people who I know yes. that I, I got a chance to witness with my own eyes. But I can say I broke their records, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, I tell you what, Sean, I, I, man, uh, we, we've got to look at doing a part two of this because we could probably do another uh, two hours uh, of just memories of great Jackson State players and, and sharing your story. But, you know, before we closed out, I, I, I did want uh, for you uh, as 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 a quarterback for Jackson State, too, uh, and, and especially for our fans who might not know the legacy of, of W.C. Gordon, uh, for you to just share uh, a, a memory, if you will, of, of W.C. Gordon that uh, you would want this generation of fans to know about him. Well, he was the calmest person I've, I, you know, for a football coach. Now, he's the most relaxed and calmest person I've ever met, you know, as a football coach. Nothing rattled him, no matter, you know, how the game was going. Offensive defense. If you watch his games on the sideline, you get a chance to look at him. He never got rattled. And that to me resonated with me as a player. You know, um, when I see my coaches come through it all when things are not going well, you know, it relaxes me. It, it keeps me calm where I can go out there and perform at a high level and make sure we pull this game out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that's that's a true. It's something true to a, when a when a coaches rattle players get rattled. That's something you know they kind of feed off the coaches, so to speak. So that's some truth to that. And I think with WC having the the temperament that he had, it's being calm through it all. And I can remember down in Grambling, uh, that was in '89. 
and they was Grammy was handing it to us. But uh, you know, coach was calm on the sideline, and we ended up scoring right before halftime to cut it close. And in the second half, we just came out like there was no Grammy, you know. So we ended up winning the ball game. But that's just that was his way. His way was totally different from a lot of coaches I've ever came across. That he would he would be calm through it all. He had a great way of words at halftime to not show any kind of signs that he's he's worried about anything. Uh, you know, his motivation speeches was just like he's talking to you. You know, it wasn't a whole lot of expression, but it's just how he said it. Mm. And he carried himself well, great family man, very well respected, players respected, you know. And, and that right there in itself, for me, you know, I kept in contact with him over the years and even up until, you know, he passed away. And, uh, you know, he just, he, he always remembered everything. He had a sharp mind. Mm-hmm. I and mean, he, he didn't forget. Mm-hmm. He always bring up a lot of things, a lot of things I forgot, you know, that he would bring up. So uh, a heck of a head coach, you know, he knew how to, Orchestrate business staff. You know he, he ran his practice very well. And one thing about him, he if it didn't look the way he wanted to look, you coming back. You know he gonna he, he gonna work your tail off. And I tell you, a lot of the things that he did as a coach, and a lot of things that I, I do as a coach as well. And uh, you know he could have easily gone on and coast in a in the SEC, you know, easily. Mm-hmm. Uh the way he carried himself with, with the media and the way he talked to the players and the way he motivated his players. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you would think, you know, with the amount of championships he's won at that level, that he would be a shoe in for somebody to look at him. But, you know, I'm blessed to say, hey, I, I had five years with him, you know. Yeah. So I've learned a lot. And even after that, I've learned a lot more, you know, after those five years, I had another 30 more years mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. you know, just talking to him and, and picking his brains on a lot of things that coaches have to deal with on a daily basis yeah. that he was able to share with me. But more importantly, he and I went in the Hall of Fame together in the, in the Jackson State Sports Hall of Fame. Good look at God. So, man, I tell you, it's, yeah, WC is he's a man of truth. And honesty, and I really appreciate all the time that I had to experience with that because uh, it, it helped me and my coaching. And you know, coaches bounce around a lot, but you still got to find out who your kids are that you got to go to war with. And he was good at that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had a lot of he had a lot of strong personalities that he had to deal with, but he could deal with. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I tell you what, this has been a tremendous episode, and uh, no better place to to kind of put a cap in it right there in terms of. Uh, a final memory, if you will, of W.C. Gordon. So, uh, Sean, I really appreciate you coming on Tiger Talk 1400 Club. And, uh, Neely, this was, this was another great one, man. I, thank you for rolling me under the bus, too, buddy. <laughs> oh, you know, what? what it, it, I agree with what you said. Uh, uh, great way to end it on that W.C. note. And, and no problem pushing you under the bus, Chuck. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> but, you, but, you know, we – we we serve a forgiving God, Chuck, and and I just want you to know that the doors of Sean Gregory are open, and 
and you got time to change your, your vote for Roy Curry to Sean Gray, but we'll do that in the later. We'll do it in another episode, man. I, I tell you what, Sean was one of my favorite quarterbacks ever. And I tell you what, it was, uh, you put me under, under, under the, uh, the heat lamp, if you will. But I, I tell you, Sean Gregor, <laughs> he, he's definitely my, 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 my one A, man. I tell you. <laughs> Good deal. Good so deal. thank you for joining us on another episode of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. For my right-hand man, my man on the right, Neely, I'm Charles Bishop. Thank you. And that'll do it for this episode of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Apple Podcast users, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. I can't stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department. And it all starts with you downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every Tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Spotify, and so on. And we'll be posting each episode on our Facebook and Twitter pages. As always, thanks for your support. Go Tigers. Hashtag the I love. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.